while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. South Coast tonight. I'm, so, Mar- I'm Marcus Farrow. And I'm Chris McCarthy. That was Will Senat of the New Bedford Light. Yeah, they do they do a great job over there. Will does a great job. I appreciate him coming in. And we have Congressman Bill Keating joining us uh, around 8.30. So that, that should be a very, very important discussion, mm-hmm. uh, folks. Um, the um, Just a, uh, again, to, to, to reflect on that story, Marcus, about the uh, the lack of incident, really, a big incident in New Bedford Police, mm-hmm. but the fact that they were able to control the situation, um, I, I think it's important to reflect that our police, and I say our police, I say that the, the ma- police in Massachusetts um, are a different breed than the ones you see in other parts of the country. Um, not to say that sometimes those other ones aren't are equal. But to say that oftentimes they are not equal to the quality of the police of Massachusetts, the training, the the, the, the hiring, yeah. the screening, the brotherhood, the internal discipline, all of that goes a long way, right? So when you see what happened in Memphis or you see what happened um, to George Floyd, that stuff doesn't happen here in, in Massachusetts it's because our hiring, training, and internal discipline procedures in our compensation i would say that's an important part um the compensation has to be there so that guys are able to appreciate their jobs and live their lives without without additional stress on themselves beyond the normal stress um that they have so that they try to ameliorate as much as you can the financial stress um maybe, maybe that's it's, it's i'm not saying it has to be a perfect world but when you look at what happened in New Bedford with the regional police team, uh, Semlick, um, the New Bedford police, in, in conjunction with their brothers and sisters of, of law enforcement of, the, of southeastern Massachusetts, what an incredible textbook operation that was. But just how bad it could have gone. Yeah. Right, Marcus? Right. If you didn't have the quality individuals and the quality training and the internal command. I mean, the one thing that we know happened in, in Memphis was no one took charge of the situation. No one said, guys, calm down. You over here, you over there, right? None of that happened. That would not have happened in Massachusetts because you have a superior structure. You have internal discipline, uh, that type of thing. Um, I think it goes, it's an important thing to point out. Because what you saw in, in Memphis is, in Memphis was such a horror show. What you see in New Bedford was nothing because it was so well well done yeah. that there was nothing wrong to see in, ultimately in the end, right? Right. Um, I just think that's important to point out. I think it is too. Um, I, I, think, I think, honestly... Uh, I think a lot of these problems do belie more 
major metro uh, police institutions, frankly. I think that's where you see the lion's share of a lot of those issues um, that we, we talk about um, that's, that, get, that get covered a lot. And they're important, and then they're important to talk about. But I think that's where it is. I think down here, I think we've been pretty fortunate to have a good network well, of uh, law enforcement uh, agencies down here. When you keep – remember, people are policy. People are policy, particularly yeah. in law enforcement, first responders. So when you have the ability to recruit and retain – First responders, firefighters, police, EMTs, so that the culture stays consistent, so that every time there's a a couple of new members of the department, they matriculate into a culture, mm-hmm. right? That, that that continues their training, so that, that so that there is a consistency there. It's when you begin to to lose people on a regular basis that you're setting yourself up for trouble, right. okay? That when you bring in, because everyone who's new is inexperienced, right? I mean, not to be yeah. not to be obvious about it, but when you when you first start the job, you have a lot of training but very little experience, right? And you haven't been evaluated by your peers. That yeah. peer evaluation is so important, and so that for every Kevin Cobza, right? For every Hank Turgeon. Jimmy Estrella, for every um, uh, experienced cop that you lose, okay, to another department because they want them, because you're you're not retaining them, because you're not making it an environment that they they want to stay in. Doesn't have to be perfect, but but you have to understand that there is a there is outside pressure on them, right? Yeah. And um, for every person you lose, it's a tremendous loss of institutional knowledge, of leadership, of I've seen this situation before, right? That's why you have to do your best. And sometimes it's impossible. In other words, when you lose someone because of promotion opportunities, like, for instance, we lost New Bedford Police to Halifax. We lost in the Carver because those they had a chief opening. And you're not going to hold those guys back from advancing their career into leadership, right? Right. You can't do that. That's not, that's not reasonable. Um, n- nor is it a slight on your department when one of your guys gets promoted to the chief in another department. It's a compliment to your department. Right. Right. But it is a loss. So you have to do the best you can to retain the quality people that you have and their institutional knowledge. And I think that that's, that's something the taxpayers have to give their elected officials. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, I don't really have... I don't really have, like, a, a lot of... I think you've spelled it out very nicely. There's no opposing view to that, is what you're saying. Um, no, well, go ahead. No, there's no opposing <laughs> view. I was going to say there, there, there really is. If a police officer has made the cut for five or six years, you don't want to lose them because obviously they have not exhibited any of the of the characteristics that would make you want to get rid of them. Yeah. Right. In other words, it's those first couple years that a guy's on the job that you're going to find out should we keep them. Or is he a danger to our community? That's a very important... um, And you're only going to know that when they've been through a couple of situations that you cannot recreate in a training environment, all right? You're not. Because everybody knows they're in a training environment. I've been in training environments um, in the military where we're using real bullets, okay? 
Live fire exercises. It's about as close to combat as you're going to recreate. The guy next to you is firing real bullets. The guy, but there's nobody firing real bullets at you. Right. All right. But it's about as close as you can get. But you know it's still a training scenario. All right. Um, pop up. Tar- they do as best they can. But you're never going to know if a guy can handle it until it's real. And, you know, and so you need that those ongoing years of having someone in the department. And if, they're will, if they can make the cut, the peer evaluation, Marcus. And that's what I'm saying was lacking in Memphis. Yeah. The peer evaluation. Well, well the thing is, is, is that, you know, here's the important point, I think, with Memphis and that. And it's that, you know, those guys did go through training, right? They had, yes. they had, they had all kinds of the sensitivity training and cultural understanding and this and that and the other thing. But you said peer evaluation. Right. If you know you can just do whatever you want... And you can get away with it, which there's been some accounting that they've done some pretty awful stuff before and gotten away with it, the Scorpion unit. That's what I mean. Then, then it doesn't matter what kind of training you have because no. they're, you're, you're inevitably going to take that power and you're going to run with it, right. basically. And the other thing we talked about, and it's a cultural thing, is don't name your, <laughs> don't name your units after lethal, uh, violent uh, insects or animals. So it was outrageous, Marcus. And I know I brought that up because I think, I think the, when we were learning about Memphis and um, I... I jumped in the car with you. I said to you, "Can you? I can't believe that they was actually. I thought it was a. I thought it was something like. I didn't realize it was the official name of the unit, the Scorpion. I said, when you name a unit after something that you would name a street gang after, don't be surprised when they act like a street gang, yeah. right? And yeah, that's exactly it. And there's a lot. There's a lot of that that goes on. L.A. County Sheriff's Department, they have all kinds of different gang units and stuff like that, like the the Vikings and stuff like right. that with actual tattoos and markings. And that's the stuff that really has got to change. If you have that stuff existing, if it's called the Scorpion Unit or the Vikings Unit or something like that, then you're, then you're like you said, just perpetuating a gang culture. And, and, it, and, and when you have um, a culture within your department that weeds out, that says, hey, this guy's not right. Well, this guy, um, no matter how much we train him, he's a bad guy. Yeah. We can't have him. But every time you lose experienced offices, right, to another department um, for economic reasons, you lose the positive part of your culture. Yeah. Right? Because nobody's recruiting your bad guys. Yeah, right. Nobody's recruiting somebody with a bad disciplinary record. Yeah. Right? It's when you have guys that are really good, that are a compliment, that they're providing true public safety, right, and that have been there for a few years, you've got to retain those guys. It's it's an important lesson. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Congressman Bill Keating is going to be joining us soon, but uh, the app chat message is, Hey, Chris, what about the night during basic training when you're low crawling with your elbows under the wire? While tracer rounds are coming your way, albeit much higher. Well, oh, oh, sorry, this is the wrong mic. There you go. I mean, it was, it, it's a hell of a night. Yeah, it, it's a hell of a training. But I knew they were way above me. In fact, you, you you know they're way above you. I mean, it's scary, but they're way above you. Um, it was later on that I've been in training where the bullets, you know, you're firing live bullets and they're right next to you. They're firing yeah. down line at targets. But yeah, the bullets—the bullets in basic training with a fire over you had a pretty cool. 
trays around at night, Marcus. Yeah. So they light up the sky. You can see them flying over. Oh, cool. They're red. Trays oh, wow. are on fire. Oh, that's the okay, tracer. tracer. But oh, you're cool. underneath them. Very cool. It's <laughs> unless you're the, unless you're there. No, it was really cool while you're doing it. Oh, it is. And yeah, you yeah. go, this is why I agreed to be here. This is the coolest <laughs> thing I've ever done in right. my life. Um, and uh, I don't know. Someone's mad at us. Good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I can't do anything about that. I'm sorry, man. So, um, so look, folks. You're, we're gonna we're gonna speak with Congressman Keating. We're gonna have some very interesting information yeah. on the Ukraine, as well as about this balloon. We're gonna, we're gonna talk to a, a United States congressman who was just talking with the president of, of Ukraine. So, if that interests you, um, you can definitely uh, stay tuned. Uh, and, and also, we're gonna ask about the the, the Chinese spy balloon. Yeah, well, definitely going to ask about the so Chinese. You'll, you'll hear something you'll be able to tell in the breakfast, 100%. at the breakfast table that nobody else knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's kind of my goal uh, in this show, right? Something at the... We want to make you the smartest person at breakfast. Yep. If you're the, sm- <laughs> you're the smartest person at breakfast, um, then then we're good. Uh, tell you what, we'll take one more break, and we'll be right back. And Keating should be joining us on the other side. All right, let's do it. 1420 WBSM, New Bedford's news talk station. Hi, I'm Paul. Spent all day hearing about the news. Now's your chance to react to it. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Call Chris and Marcus now at 508-996-0500. Or send a text via app chat on the WBSM app. Now, back to South Coast Tonight. Welcome back to South Coast Tonight. Congressman Keating will be joining us relatively soon. Um, so, uh, one of the things that I think, um, we should, you know what, let's just do it. I'm taking this last break. All right. Well, then we'll come back. 14, couple app chats on the, uh, WBSM app chat that you can send, you can send one in whenever you'd like, and we can read it on the air. Congressman Bill Keating should be joining us soon. Uh, Bud from New Bedford, uh, asked what time, what year you completed basic, uh, Chris. 19. I completed my basic training in 1990. I was one years old. Um, so uh, another was uh, thanks, thanks guys. It was the best time I uh, talking about um, the uh, when you were the tracer rounds. Oh uh, the yeah, guy, uh, Rich from New Bedford said thanks guys. It was the best time of my life. Just wanted Chris's opinion. I listen every night. I got the app now, so I'll start weighing in, especially on the science topics. Peace, Rich. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, we appreciate Rich. Yeah, we thanks. appreciate your listenership, and we appreciate appreciate you. Uh, engaging uh, with us here on the WBSM app chat. Um, so, Marcus, we've, we just learned there's a second balloon there's in, two in our hemispheres. There are two balloons. It's a, it's a real violation of the Mon- Monroe Doctrine in our national sovereignty. Yeah. Um, I, I was listening. It's very rare nowadays that both um, CNN and Fox News cover a, a story like this right yeah um like in unison like the right, base, yeah, yeah right yeah, and yeah. dedicating as much time as they are yeah um it was all over the uh the biz, the fox business channel it was all over cnn all over regular fox um and i imagine the national news carried it as well i didn't have a chance mm-hmm. to see it um i believe actually i did see let me think the six o'clock news anyway so um this is absolutely unbelievable yeah this balloon um we, we were talking about it on the ride over. What is it that the Chinese feel they needed to know that was so important and so 
that they that they would risk. They knew we would detect it. Okay, they knew we would be angry by it. The Secretary of State has now canceled his visit to China. His meeting yeah. with with President Xi, Tony Blinken. Tony Blinken. Um, for those of you who don't know this, the Chinese have satellites that fly over America every fifteen minutes or so. You know what's funny? When I first started coming on with you about. It was about four years ago when you when you were in the Chris McCarthy show and I was just, you know, 29-year-old attorney Marcus Farrell. One of the things we talked about was the um, how China has expanded their influence in Latin America. Correct. We talked about how they were setting up uh, bases in Chile Correct. and Argentina. Correct. Right? And how, you know, it was co- sort of coming into our, you know, Western sphere over here. Absolutely. Com- Violating the Monroe Doctrine, yeah. which, is, which is that nobody from no foreign countries can set up, have influence in, in our hemisphere. Yeah, um, it's one of the reasons that we got so involved when the Russians were were, were involved in in Cuba and Nicaragua, uh, and El Salvador, a place like that, um, Chile. So you have um, a lot of unrest right now in Latin America and South America. Um, it's part of the reasons that you have this migrant. Uh, issue, right? They're stampeding out of Nicaragua, uh, El Salvador, places like that. Um, you're going to start to see, I think, a lot of Colombians coming north. You are seeing some Colombians coming north. They used to immigrate here legally, but you're seeing them, they're leaving Colombia uh, because of the rise of, of the FARC and things like that. Um, the Chinese are involved with all of that. The Chinese, um, are setting up major agreements with Latin American countries. Um, in fact, there's a big article in Foreign Policy, which is the flagship of the Council on Foreign Relations, <clears throat> on how to combat Chinese influence in South and Central America. Uh, they, they're looking for the natural resources or to tie up natural resources to make their own uh, more finite, right? So what? I, what? I, my question is, we'll ask the congressman, and of course... Because he's on the Foreign Relations Committee and he's on uh, Armed Services, he has information he cannot s- to say to us. Right. But, you know, he, he can tell us what he can tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to ask he him. Also, he also did, and I'm just, I was learning this before when we were setting this up, that he just met with, he just had some um, high profile meetings with Ukrainians this week. Um, so I'm really interested to hear more about that as well. So, Marcus, as you were talking about what we used to talk about here on the show when, I, when it was the Chris McCarthy show, and I had Congressman Keating on on a regular basis, he and I would discuss the Ukraine. It was post-Obama, so it was after the Russians had first invaded the Ukraine. Yeah, the Crimean Peninsula. Right. But we were talking about the Russian energy. A lot of the stuff that you're talking about now, Congressman Keating has been on the forefront of trying to prepare Europe. Mm-hmm. He, he is he is the um, on the subcommittee. He was chairman of the subcommittee. Now he'll be ranking member of the subcommittee on Europe, Russia, and energy. Yeah. Right? He was talking about trying to make Europe less dependent on Russia. Right? Um, it was one of the few agreements he had with Trump which was on NORAD, the, the Nord Stream 2. The Nord, the Nord Stream 2 um, energy pipeline from Russia into Germany that President Trump was opposed to, Congressman Keating was opposed to it as well, but he yeah. recognized we have to give them an alternative to Russian energy, mm-hmm. right? Liquid LNG terminals in Europe, so that American natural gas can actually land on the continent yeah. to supply their needs. Um, 
So Congressman Keating has been on the forefront of trying to free Europe from the Russian energy. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, he he talked a lot about that, um, the nuclear energy development, the pods and all of that. All it was of really that interesting. Stuff, yeah. Right. So um, we'll be looking forward to having them come yeah, in. Yeah, actually, 508-996-0500 is how you can join us. Also taking your messages on the WBSM uh, app chat as well. So I think one of the important things, and a lot of we haven't talked about it a lot here, but it's been talked about, I think, in other, other programs here, and I think in a, in a way that we haven't really agreed with, is um, the Ukrainian aid conversation. Right. And now when we've had Co- Congressman Auchincloss on this program, we've had Congressman Keating on this program, they both talked about the need to continue to supply Ukrainian aid um, to, to, to Ukraine um, to stave off that Russian invasion. Um, and uh, I think one of the points Auchincloss had brought up actually one time is that you're actually for there's actually it's actually a good investment right because they're 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 performing pretty well and Russia's uh, you know been on I think the brink of defeat for some time. So if you want to look at it from a business perspective, the Ukraine is supplying the human capital that we don't want to supply. We'll supply the weapons. All right. We're making capital investments over there, but they're investing the human beings. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, from the perspective of a former human being in uniform, um, I'd rather have I'd rather invest the capital than the human beings. Yeah. All right. Right. Um, and we'd rather fight the Russians there than fight them here. Absolutely. And that may seem far fetched, but the audacity to attack another European country. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the way which the Russians fight is scorched earth. Yeah. It's absolutely brutal. They, they do not consider civilians civilians the way we do. Right. They don't. Um, they bombard civilians because they recognize civilians are part of the war infrastructure. All right? Yeah. If you can destroy their manufacturing, you can destroy their ability. We're, one of the reasons we were able to fight so successfully in World War II over there is that we supplies the, supplied the capital and a lot of human capital to the battlefields of Europe, mm-hmm. right? We never lost our manufacturing capacity because they were not attacking mainland Europe, mainland right. America. They were attacking mainland Europe and, and England. So we could preserve our human capital and our manufacturing ability here. Well, in fact, we expanded our manufacturing ability in terms of, in terms of um, uh, uh, what we needed for uh, for war over there in Europe. You know, there Correct. were no cars made in what 1938 or something like that, or there were no cars made in 1940. There were no. There's one year that that you will not find a car made uh for some particular car companies because we took all the material we, yeah we yeah we took all it the material to the build tanks they said right. you guys are building tanks now right 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 yeah you went from chrysler to tanks yes right yeah exactly. so the um the fact of the matter is is that look i agree that the ukrainians are probably robbing some of the money that we give them Mm-hmm. Okay. Ghost soldiers have been a reality of war. Ghost yeah. soldiers are, I need a payroll of $2 million because I have 2 million soldiers. Yeah. When in reality, you only have 150, you have 150 million, whatever, right. whatever, whatever the number is. It's called a ghost soldier, right? Yeah. It's because our allies, while they're our allies, are still humans. Right. Right. There is still what we call leakage. 
Yeah. Okay. I, I don't think it's right. I wish everything was perfect, but it's not. Okay. There are, in fact, things that happen. All right. Are, are some of the weapon systems being diverted? They probably yeah. are. Is some of the cash being diverted? Without a doubt. Okay. But it still it does not make the effort not worth making. You understand? So we're joined now by Congressman Bill Keating. Hey, Congressman. Hey, good evening, Marcus. Is Chris there, too? Yeah, I'm Chris here, too, here. Congressman. Thank you. Hey, nice talking with both of you guys. Nice speaking with How you. How have you been? Very well, Bill. Thank you. Thank you for asking. So, we, look, we've been, we've been looking forward to speaking with you. There's a lot of big issues. One of the things, just to set this up, that I think is important is we know we have a, an influential audience out there, Bill. We know that the Russian information network, the Trojan horses, have gotten into the system where they are downplaying the importance or, or putting a negative spin on our influence and our, our our support for the Ukraine. So I would like you to make an informed pitch to your constituents about why it is so important that we back the Ukrainians financially and with weapon systems short of human capital right now. Please make that pitch. Well, let me just start off with one point of many, Yes, uh, Chris. Uh, one of them that people should bear in mind is this. Uh, and I point people to a document uh, that it was uh, given by the Russian Federation, their government, which is really Putin, uh, about a year ago, right at this, uh, this month, a year ago. And it's when, before the war in Ukraine occurred, as the Russians were amassing those troops uh, all around Ukraine, uh, but before they actually invaded, uh, we tried, uh, meaning the U.S., uh, with diplomacy uh, to, to deal with it. Uh, we sent them a letter, and their response is critical because their response in that letter was not just about Ukraine uh, and, and the fact that uh, their claims against Ukraine and their claims about them being a threat, which is uh, really laughable, to their own uh, security. Right. But in that same letter, they mentioned overall what their objections were uh, and, and what their objections uh, translated into objectives in this war war, and they said they wanted to disarm one half of the NATO countries. Now, why is that important, Chris, to the U.S., when we're looking at this? We have a treaty, and it's ironclad with NATO. If they go one inch into any NATO countries, and they were talking about the Baltics, they were talking about Moldova, uh, as well as other NATO uh, countries, we're at war. right? And we're required under that war uh, to amass troops, and we're in a full-scale World War III with U.S. young men and women from the U.S. on the ground mm -hmm. uh, in this war. So one of the things people should uh, really look at in terms of direct U.S. Uh, capital and, and the most precious capital of all, uh, our, our young people, mm -hmm. is that because of the courage of Ukrainians, they're taking this fight on themselves. Uh, and if we don't support them in that effort now, uh, undoubtedly, uh, we will have troops on the ground ourselves. So, uh, because Putin's uh, ambitions, believe me, uh, in writing, uh, go far beyond Ukraine. So, Congressman, um, it's my understanding that you met with some uh, leaders uh, in uh, uh, f uh, from Ukraine. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you know the conversations you had, what transpired in that meeting? Yeah, just this week, I have them repeatedly 
uh, you know, because uh, until recently I, I was chair. Now I'm the ranking or high, highest Democratic uh, member on our subcommittee on Europe, right. uh, which obviously uh, contains Ukraine and, and, and Russia. Uh, and I've been working with them. I've had three hearings on war crimes. I've been to the border tri- twice, meeting with uh, people that are involved in uh, uh, Ukrainians over the border. They're getting involved uh, directly day to day on the ground there, uh, assisting people from human rights issues to medical issues. to, uh, And I met directly with families who had had to flee because their houses were bombed or their families were killed or they were threatened. Uh, and this week, uh, I met with uh, the chief prosecutor uh, from Ukraine, uh, Andre Kostin. Uh, I had him as a witness, and he flew to the U.S. And, uh, I met with him this week in person in my office for well over an hour, uh, talking about making sure that the terrible and horrific things, things we haven't seen in Europe since the 1930s in terms of atrocities, uh, our account- there's accountability for that. And in this war, uh, because of the ability to capture things on iPhones and uh, and the way they're so organized uh, in Ukraine right now, they're capturing these things live time. And I must tell you, I don't want to uh, really go into much of this, but just to give people the scope of these atrocities. I think it's important were, that you do tell us, Congressman. I think it's important that you tell us, because people have to know what's happening. These uh, Russian soldiers, for instance, they are... And they're taking uh, young people, women and men, young boys and girls, and they're raping them right repeatedly from morning to night. Uh, uh, they, they call it a cleansing. Uh, uh, but they're doing that right in front of their families uh, and uh, in front of their mothers, fathers. Uh, they're, they're, this will give you an idea of the level. When I was talking to the mayor of uh, Bucha, and, and just for your listeners, I think I know you two are aware, what uh, the, the town of Bucha uh, was. That's the first, when, when they gained control again after Russian occupation in Ukraine, uh, that's, the, that's the town that uh, had all the mass graves uh, and the terrible stories of atrocity. Uh, over 400 people killed in one month of Russian occupation uh, just for terror. Uh, and uh, the stories there, there's one that is just so... Uh, different and will show you the scope of what they and they do uh that the mayor of bucha relayed to me he told me that uh, uh when they came back when the people came back to uh, many of them did it's up to 80 percent back uh, living in, in that community after the russians were uh, driven out by ukrainians uh for instance there was a famous concert pianist uh and as that person was going back to their house uh, and they checked the house. The piano, once one key was hit, the piano would have exploded, killing them. Wow. Uh, and, they booby and, and And they, you know, <clears throat> they found that, fortunately, ahead of time. But they, they, they've taken sandboxes where children play and, and put bombs. They take dead corpses of people they've killed, Ukrainians, the civilians they've killed, and, and they wire them. So that as people go to remove the bodies, they will be killed uh, with the explosion. I can go on and on. Uh, The torture that they've done for local officials, what they've put them through, uh, just torture and then kill them uh, publicly. So this is the level. And so I've been at the forefront, having the first committee hearings that I chaired, 
uh, and having repeated efforts to, to make sure the U.S. is a part of this effort to uh, document these war crimes, make sure there's accountability. Uh, I put in some legislation that passed as part of the major bill at the end of the year that I sponsored. And uh, just this week, when the prosecutor general, coincidentally, had come to my office, was the day I put in my uh, legislation for this year that uh, is something Ukraine requested the U.S. do, uh, lend their support for a special tr uh, tribunal on war crimes, international tribunal on war crimes, based on Russian aggression, not just on individuals, but making the country uh, accountable as well. Uh, and so uh, that's when uh, I talked to the prosecutor general, uh, who's been, uh, you know, uh, I've worked with hand in hand since he assumed office. Uh, and uh, I continue to work with that. Uh, you know, I have both of my committees, as you know, Chris and Marcus, uh, not just foreign affairs, uh, but also uh, armed services. So uh, not a week goes by, I don't think, when I'm in D.C. where I'm not working with Ukrainian officials uh, and uh, counterparts in their parliament. Uh, obviously, the ambassador, who she's done an enormously uh, uh, successful job. She never sleeps, I swear. And they are working so hard at all fronts. Uh, but Amer but Americans should understand this, the stake we have in the action here. Uh, I gave just the, uh, uh, I think, the most uh, concrete example where we would be in the front lines ourselves. Uh, instead of the Ukrainians, uh, if we let this Russian aggression uh, go forth. But number two, uh, what they're doing to democracy worldwide. Uh, you know, they he made such a miscalculation, Putin did, thinking that this coalition that's been put together would never be put together. Uh, and it's, it's backfired to an extent that I don't think he could have ever realized the make, you know, having Finland and Sweden apply for NATO membership. Sweden didn't even take sides in uh, World War II. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, and and uh, having Germany, uh, although, you know, they have statutes in place that people should understand their slowness to act is in part because not just their history, but actually laws they have in the books. So, but they have moved forward now, and, and they're going to put, uh, you know, their tanks uh, into Ukraine as well. So this is, a, this is it. Uh, and this spring... Uh, you know, the kind of warfare we're now really is akin to World War One. There's trenches on the front line being built. Uh, the number of casualties is enormous. Uh, the, the announcement today that the, uh, the number of Russian casualties, people uh, killed or, uh, or wounded, has reached 200,000. Think of that number for a second. It's amazing. Uh, and that's since February. It's not even a year. Uh, and as uh, just to show a comparison, uh, the entire number of soldiers we lost uh, in Ukraine and Afghanistan uh, was in the 7,000s over that long, prolonged period. So he, they're taking people out of prison. Uh, and uh, right. Paul Whelan, who's being captured there, they moved him because they didn't want him to witness. They, they, they're coming in, taking people out of prison, giving them their freedom to go on the front lines. And they're there, they're not trained, and uh, the Russian history is repeating itself where they just put Russian uh, soldier after Russian soldier in the front line and just 
like a meat grinder, have them uh, killed. There, there were reports of they they took a I, I I saw a report of a prisoner who they took who then who then broke ranks and left. He had no training anyway, and he was a criminal. And he went back, and then they caught him and they executed him, and they filmed it. They smashed his head with a sledgehammer. Smashed his head with the Russians did the Wagner Group. Um, we're speaking with Congressman Bill Keating. Uh, Bill the. Um, the reality of it is, I, I, so I read a report about from the Atlantic Council, an extensive one, about Putin's network of influence throughout Western Europe, throughout NATO, um, in, in maybe even reaching over here into the United States. Um, that, that is his attempt to try to curtail the supplies and the support for the Ukraine. It's been quite effective. Maybe you can you can talk about it. Is the support in Europe going to be oh. with us? They've, you know, and they've suffered more. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, because they're forty percent of the European gas, their entire uh, gas, and twenty five percent of their oil comes from Russia. Uh, and what, uh, and another example of how Putin has miscalculated so much, uh, with our help, and we are leading this effort, uh, and, and with their own efforts to uh, reconfigure what they do, they've accelerated their. Uh, movement away from that Russian energy independence dramatically. Uh, and they're not going back. This is, you know, this was a stranglehold that uh, Putin had on Russia, uh, had on Europe, and they are moving away from it in so many different ways. You know, uh, liquid natural gas, building facilities. You're at the shipping, forefront uh, of this. Yeah, and, and energy issues. You and I talked before. Right. Years ago. Uh, about We've been this. For years. Before, before Ukraine ever started. Uh, yes. Uh, we talked about this, that this is uh, what they use as a weapon. Right. And, and they're losing that uh, so quickly. So, I mean, uh, but they are sticking with us despite uh, fuel and energy costs that are so many times more than ours. Uh, and the, despite the fact that, you know, we're one country, uh, they have to peel together so many different countries beyond the NATO countries uh, to stick together and to coordinate. And they're doing it beyond anyone's expectations. Um, so, Bill, we, we want to we just pivot here for a second uh, to, to bring the, to the Chinese spy balloon. Um, this is an incredible thing. We now recognize as a second one in our hemisphere. I don't know what you can tell us about it, what you've been briefed on. Um, CNN's been doing a good job, as, as has Fox News, uh, to cover this a little bit. But what are the Chinese up to? Why are they risking this? Well, they're, they're doing things every day. Uh, and to a scale of actually millions of efforts a, a week uh, and hacking in, uh, getting involved for uh, industrial and economic reasons as well as their own uh, military intelligence. Uh, and they uh, exploit what they learn, use it, steal our technology, uh, and they do the same with the intelligence front. Uh, and they do it in so many different ways. Uh, the balloon has captured a lot of people's attention uh, because it's, you know, different. But People should, number one, realize this effort by the Chinese is going on hour to hour, day to day, both in the economic and intelligence and military side. Uh, and they're doing it with low-flying satellites as well. The balloon uh, is kind of interesting because, and I didn't get briefed yet, so uh, okay. I can speak more freely about what I think. Sure. Uh, uh, because I'm not, uh, you know, it's not classified to me. But I can only tell you my opinions, and I think they're informed ones. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the balloon is interesting because the set, those low-level satellites, uh, those satellites have a projected orbit. So we can follow them every second. Right. The balloon kind of, it can be, uh, the direction can be changed. 
but it can it can be in a different direction all the time, which is harder to trace. Uh, it's lower level. It might get a, a higher degree of uh, uh, intelligence that way. Uh, and there's a lot of, and here's what I think, too. <laughs> that there's a lot of people that say, why don't we just shoot it down right away? Well, I don't know this. It's my opinion. But we have the ability, uh, I'm sure, once it even uh, came close to our border or hit our border, that with our own cyber efforts, that we can neutralize their ability to transmit stuff back once we knew where it was. And I think we're, you know, they said they just didn't want to knock it down and uh, risk any civilian casualties with debris or everything. And that might be the case. But I also think that we're trying to learn. Now that we've uh, probably uh, done away with their ability to transmit any intelligence back, I think we're doing using this to get our own intelligence on how they're operating these and what we can do to counter it. So it, some people should think, and I, you know, again, I don't have any confirmation of this, but uh, I believe that we're now sort of turning the tide with this balloon and using it for our own intelligence as to what we can do to thwart this, this kind of activity in the future. We're speaking with Congressman Book Keating, but, but Bill, <clears throat> this is such a reckless uh, invasion of our, of our national, uh, sovereignty what could ever in god's name be their intent it wasn't to do it secretly they knew we were going to see it well i don't know if they know that i think they were probing to see uh, okay. how far they could get what they could do without right. being detected okay so i i but uh, here's here's the thing uh after covid and after years and and we are the two largest and uh most influential countries in the world uh, and we've been at odds and, and we've been, uh, things have been heating up, uh, moving us closer with issues like Taiwan to potential conflict. And, uh, and, and it was so important to, to make sure people are talking, uh, face to face. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had our Secretary of State, uh, on his way as he's making a tour to China for the highest level briefing that have, that's occurred in the last few years. Uh, and they did this at that time. Right. I mean, that's what I'm saying. What were they thinking about that? Hey, they Bill, issued can, an can apology, hold, which they never did. Can we hold you through the news? I don't know if you have to catch a plane or anything. Uh, no, for a few minutes after that, and that'd be fine. Okay. Okay. Cool. We're gonna hold you through. So the news. we gotta because we gotta we gotta take um, we gotta take a uh, a quick um, we gotta take a quick news break. But when we get back, we'd like to talk to you a little bit more in the nine o'clock hour, if that's okay. Because I think this is very sure. important. This is very right. important. So thank, thank you, you so much, Congressman. We appreciate that. So what we're gonna do now is we're gonna get into the news break, and then when we get back, we're gonna continue our conversation uh, for a few minutes with Congressman Bill Keating um, about uh, all of these goings on the, the 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 spy balloon, the what's going on in Ukraine. And that, and so um, stick we, around, folks. So stick around. You're not going to get this anywhere else.